Hello, everyone. So the reason why I didn't have a hello in my last episode is because I deleted about four minutes, thought I was rambling too much. Um, I promised an episode would drop today, so that's what I'm doing. However, I do have a cough, and that's part of why this episode is being recorded right now at 11.10 a.m. Pacific on Friday. I have been feeling very good though recently because I looked in my DMs because I don't check them that often and I looked in my DMs and I had a DM from someone from the show and additionally I had a girl who DM me saying drop that recap tomorrow and she sent me that after the newest episode and it felt so good. I mean, the podcast is definitely starting to grow, so um, thank you again for listening. Please rate me five stars on Apple. Um, Also, my Apple numbers don't represent anything um, as far as listenership at all. It's very misleading because how many podcasts have you rated? How many TV shows have you rated? How many restaurants? Like, think about it. As a consumer, you're not rating things. So it's like the number of ratings that I have in my, so I'll put it this way. I have 13 Apple ratings and I get 13 listens in probably five minutes. So that, there you go. That's how accurate that number is as far as reflecting my actual listenership so please help because I only have 13 ratings on there and I can't even I can't even rate my own podcast on Apple Podcasts because I don't have an iPhone so that is very annoying but that's what it is so anyways I um I think I said that already but I edited about about four minutes out about four minutes of um my last episode for episode five and I have a cough I'm battling a cough I deleted about five coughs in um in that episode and I'm gonna delete however many in this one um I'm not the biggest fan of complaining about being sick especially when it's a mild sickness or a temporary sickness but when you're doing a podcast and coffee (laughs) Um, just want to apologize for those coughs that I've had. Okay, I'm going to talk about how episode six begins because I got my whole entire life in the beginning of episode six. We need to get into the pornography, the Tyler Lepley pornography that we all witnessed. I'm calling it porn because that is how much that scene meant to me and that is how much I watched that scene okay just like I'd be watching my porn to rub one out I watched that scene I didn't know I was gonna get all that like I said I'm really backing up I'm easing up off of these like p-valley spoilers I saw that um diamond and big bone they were going to smash in episode six and I was furious that I just found that out I wanted to just watch and find that out and that's all part of why like I said my research I tend to read at least 3,000 comments I watch hella videos I do too much which is also part of why 
my recaps are not as punctual as they could be. But I knew, I guess I found out that they, that they were going to smash. But I didn't know. I didn't know that I was going to be listening to my neck, my back, and seeing everything that I saw, everything that I witnessed, everything that I've been watching this show for, with the exception of a full frontal scene of, or, yeah, with Diamond. I need some full frontal from Diamond, but I, my mouth was on the floor, my eyes were the size of golf balls. I said, what is happening? This it was just as graphic as I needed it to be, as I've wanted it to be, as I've begged P-Valley, I begged y'all to give me this content, and y'all gifted us with this content. Thank you. God is real, okay? <laughs> like, oh my God. Okay, so when Tyler is on top of big bone when diamond is on top of big bone and he's putting in that work right where he's seeing Keyshawn's face I felt that okay I felt that he was on top of me and <laughs> that is that is how I wanted to feel it was a very transcendent um scene that's the wrong word, but I don't care. Because <laughs> y'all, like, it was everything I wanted. Oh my God. I need more. I do. I like now, I really do need some Tyler Lepley porn. So, um, I hope it comes out one day because. <laughs> I will toss, I will pause the rest of my fucking porn collection. So it was just everything I wanted. Y'all saw it. I don't got to do a play by play, but God damn. I was, I mean, oh my God, it was worth the wait. I think like, let me think. I think it has to be my favorite sex scene of the series. I mean, why wouldn't it be? Um, and then I just love that Diamond is seeing um, Keyshawn because it just shows that he's not over Keyshawn. And um, I, I really, really appreciate that because now that he has a new bitch as a, as a you know, viewer of the show, we could think, okay, he's done with Keyshawn. I'm, daddy, I'm glad he's not done with Keyshawn. And then Mir like Miracle Watts, her ass, it, like it deserves its own awards and features honestly like that like miracle watts's ass is the opposite of what my ass looks like so i can look at it in just wonderment because i'm like how does that work that's a lot that's a lot there's a lot back there going on and um it kind of makes the sex scene sexier in a way because you're like okay here's this just like cushion pillow in the back that he's on top of and oh my god I've obviously that scene is you know this is why you know what I'm saying this is why I work on this podcast for a very long time since the show came out this is why it it was all worth it you know what I'm saying like that scene that sex scene with Diamond proved that it was all worth it please give us more I that you can never put in too many Diamond sex scenes 
All y'all, all you guys got to do is step the shit up and show us some full frontal like I have been begging for. That's what I need. So after, um, after Big Bone and Diamond have sex, Big Bone, she walks to the kitchen and, um, you know, I, when, after I watched that scene, I was like, you know what, should I, should I have auditioned for season two? <laughs> that was literally a thought. I was like, should I have auditioned for season two of P-Valley so that I could have sex with Tyler Lepty? <laughs> As if, you know, thousands of bitches didn't try to audition. I was like, should I have auditioned? And I can tell, I can say right now, absolutely not, because I don't need like all that nudity that um Miracle Watts was giving, I would not be trying to give all that nudity. All I would be doing is I'd be fired the first day because I would be like, you know what, Tyler, I need you to come over to my house so we could practice. <laughs> and you would just be like, um, HR. So clearly that wouldn't work, but um so Big Bone and and Diamond, they're in the kitchen. Because Big Bone is, you know, obviously everybody believes she works for Montavious's gang. She's looking at his ring. That's Montavious's ring. So back to when Diamond and Big Bone are in bed, Big Bone says, You always come in in that condom. I want that in my mouth. And <laughs> she didn't say mouth, but you know how I do. If you listen to this and I'm watching this like, okay, so you want diamonds to take it out, put it in your mouth, come in your mouth. Why? You know, when you give him a blow job, he can come in your mouth versus taking his dick out for like the best part when he finishes and putting it in your mouth, and he's wearing a condom, so you really want to be tasting that condom in your mouth. You want it in your mouth, Big Bone? Give him a blowjob. That was confusing, but whatever. I don't know what Big Bone is on, but that's a little sex ed 101, right? If you want cum in your mouth, then make him come in your mouth by giving him a blowjob. Um... So anyways, when Big Bone, I'm sorry to be so silly, but it was like, I'm watching it like, what? So Big Bone, she tells Diamond, yo eyes, they so heavy. Every time you fucking me, they be closed. Next time, I want them chestnut eyes wide open. Just like this dripping pussy. You hear me? Okay. So again, I'm I'm confused. Um, just be happy that you're getting some diamond dick. Like that's all you need to be worried about is how much dick you gonna get. Not like the um the cum in the mouth, the eyes wide open. Like what is this? What is Big Bone about? I just I love the mystery behind Big Bone because I don't understand her. She don't make no sense to me. Um. And so I'm interested. I'm really interested to see where where they're going to go with um, with Big Bone. So at the beginning of this episode, there was a suicide warning. And guess what? I must have been in my phone because I didn't see it. So I'm very happy I didn't see it. 
Because every single person was complaining about how they saw the warning. They knew it was coming. I didn't see that shit. But we see that Big Teak, he has a gang party with everyone wearing the HVH gang colors thrown by Little Murda. And Little Murda gives him a car. And then Big T gets in the car and he just starts crying so hard. And Lil Murda's like, you okay? Or whatever he says. And it's like, that's the problem. Like, all this, like, all Big T has been doing is stuffing it down, stuffing it down, stuffing it down. Not having therapy. Not having a professional to talk to. Not really explaining from, you know, top to bottom what's going on in his head. How he is feeling. With everything that we go through, we really do need professional help. We really, really do. And the African-American community is um, is not open to therapy a lot of times. Like, we're just taught to pray or go to church. And you need a professional therapist because they always tell you things that are... Um, they have an objective perspective. Your friends and family are coming at you because they know you and they know you in certain ways that a therapist doesn't. And you need a stranger's input and a professional's input on a consistent basis. Like therapy will change your life for the better. It's like if you're putting your money towards bags and shoes, makeup, travel, whatever it is, it makes a lot of sense to take a little of your money if your insurance doesn't cover it, and pay for therapy. And that's for everyone, whether you've been in solitary confinement or not. And we see that Big Teak is always so emotional, and Lil Murda's always trying to calm him down, and it's like, clearly, that's not enough. If he's there bawling so hard when he gets this wonderful gift, he has this party, he gets this gift, that just shows that it's, it's very hard for him to find happiness. And he needs help because it's he's just frozen in that space. And so um, then we see how Big Teak, he stops crying, um, stuffs it down, when honestly crying is, is very therapeutic. It's a really good release. And then he starts doing donuts. So Big Teak is at the barbershop getting his hair cut by fire, a technique used by the legendary Warren Lewis because P-Valley is always trying to recognize people in the African-American community who made a big impact in the culture. I appreciate it. It's so great. Um, and so Warren Lewis, he's the one who created the hair pick for Black Afros. And the barber tells Big Teak that he looks casket sharp. And some people are like, what? But I've already known about that phrase, casket sharp. It's used in... Um, the south when when you're looking really nice and so big teak's face is reflected he looks in the mirror and there's this picture of a devil on it that was the foreshadowing um of what was to come and there's a photo of a man who apparently sold his soul um i don't really i'm gonna say sold his soul because i like that's the depth of my knowledge about that but <clears throat> the picture and the devil um that, that all has to do with some, you know, people from the past um, that P-Valley wanted to incorporate into, um, into this episode, some historical people from the past. So Keyshawn tells Murda that Rome tried it and, you know, Murda knows exactly what that means. And she also tells him that 
Wody that she told Wody that Rome knew about Murda being on the DL. And little Murda was just like, just in a moment, you know, everything could change. And I just love how Murda didn't tell Big Teak that um, Rome knew about him. I love that Murda allowed Big Teak to have his day and to have his moment. And it just really made me like little Murda more because you know how sometimes it's like you hear bad news and you have to share it. And I thought it was really beautiful that Lil Murda didn't even tell Big Teak about what Keyshawn, Keyshawn just telling him that Rome already knows about his sexuality. So then Derek walks into the room when she's talking, when Keyshawn is talking to Lil Murda. Of course, he has to know who she's talking to. So then I thought it was really funny how we have Derek telling Keyshawn, Rome was such a good guy. You know, it was just so perfect. It's like, P-Valley didn't got to do that. Remind us of what a piece of shit that Derek is by him not being able to detect when another man is a piece of shit. Um, that was very funny. And it's like, I, it, it's like in that moment, it occurred to me that when your man is beating on you, you can't tell him that another man wanted to, or sorry, tried to rape you. Or in Keyshawn's words, tried it. You can't tell him that because you know what he's going to do. He's going to take that shit out on Keyshawn. And so it just kind of, in that scene, it just really made me think that when you're in an abusive relationship, you have to keep all these secrets from your partner because your partner is batshit crazy and you can't even tell them what's really going on in your life because you're too afraid that it's going to set them off. And it's like, this is your man and the father of your kids and you can't tell him that another man tried to rape you because you think he's going to turn your face into a punching bag. I mean, it's just, it's so sad. And we see that Keyshawn is a complete shell of herself after the discovery that um, Derek was beating her kids, or sorry, beating her three-year-old Jaden. And a lot of fans, when Keyshawn went on her tour, a lot of fans were like, oh, she left the kids with Derek. Can't believe, you know, she left the kids with Derek. And the whole time I was just thinking, these people are out of their mind. And I would leave some comments. I was like, Derek loves his kids. They're fine. I was ignorant. And that's what I appreciate about P-Valley. Is P-Valley, um, it really taught me that your kids are never safe when you're with an abuser um and I know that a lot of times the abusers abuse the kids but I did not see that coming from Derek especially with how small the kids were I really didn't see it and this sh show showed me that I was very stupid not to recognize that nobody is safe around an abuser especially their own kids we already know that, but I was just really surprised that Derek chose to take all of his anger out on the three-year-old who's crying because any three-year-old is going to be crying if they got to be dealing with Derek's ass instead of Keyshawn's. And so he took all of his anger out on the three-year-old and Keyshawn now realizes that she has to go because the abuse has spilled over. It's not just contained within her. It's also her kids and... It's so sad to see how miserable she was because 
up until Derek hit her kid. She was never that miserable with him where she just seemed to just hate every single second with him. So Big Teak wants to drop off Lil Murda and Lil Murda refuses because he says that he wants to spend time with him. And then Mercedes brings groceries to Michelle and she sees the molding oranges in the fridge and all the empty alcohol bottles in the refrigerator. And Michelle says that she's never going to give up custody of Terica. And um, I will get into that in my spoilers episode. Some of the things that I saw about Michelle. Um, my very last spoilers episode that I said, you know, beware. I'm going to give a disclaimer. I know it's going to be some bullshit up in there. So you could take from it what you will. So then moving right along, Coach calls Mercedes and asks her to finish the Mercedes experience because Farrah won't stop talking about it. And Mercedes seems very annoyed. She tells Coach that she just wants to spend time with him. Maybe I'm misreading, you know, because my I believe that um, Mercedes is trying to secure the bag. She's trying to please Coach. And she's not really trying to involve Farrah in the way that Farrah's trying to rope her into some type of um, romance. And I think that's, I think Mercedes was trying to get her money. And that's kind of why she was just like, I, I want to, you know, it, I thought it was just going to be me and you or whatever. And it's all so sad what happened, obviously. We'll get to that later. So then back at, we're at the wing restaurant that Uncle Clifford and Lil Murda talked about having a date on um, in the future in season one. And Big Teak is looking extra handsome and reminiscing about what he had with Murda when they were in jail. It was such great acting. I mean, Lil Murda and Big Teak, they have such flawless chemistry. And I have to credit some of that to Lil Murda um, the actor who plays him, because I feel that Lil Murda has great chemistry with everybody. I feel that Lil Murda seriously crushes it, crushes it when it comes to acting, but this was so well cast. These two were so well cast because they just have this, like, energy when they're together, and especially in that restaurant. It was just so moving, so tender. Like, I just, ugh. It's like, what a perfect couple, right? When they're not at each other's throats. It's like, you just see, they have such a bond. Um, it was really, really, I enjoyed seeing how they just interact with each other. And um, Katori Hall was saying that they, Lil Murda and Big Teak, they're passing. They're straight passing because you look at them and you're like, these two are not on a date. They're just friends. Which is why you saw that the waitress was trying to, wouldn't really stop when it came to Big Teak. Um, so I never even, I love that I never even thought about how no one would assume that they were on a date. Um, but with her reminding fans that they're passing in their own way, I appreciate that. Because it's true. It's like how there's probably a lot of little murders and big teaks out there. And we have no idea because they're straight passing. And when big teak and little Murda are in the restaurant, we see that colorism obviously works with both genders lusting after each other because of their skin tone. 
and or eye color because the waitress's comments on Big Teak having light skin, light eyes, and her making his red bone self more red, those comments are just as disgusting as when men talk about women this way. That same waitress wouldn't want to hear a man making comments about a woman that way, even though, of course, we hear that bullshit all the time. But skin tone does not make someone attractive. Big Teak looked like a snack this entire episode. He cleans up so well. She could have just said that he's handsome and she likes his eyes without placing so much emphasis on his light skin and being a red bone. Because we seriously overlook people who aren't light skin and don't have light eyes and it's ridiculous, right? And we shouldn't be making these comments as if those are healthy comments to make and as if Teak is only handsome because of the color of his eyes and skin. That's not how attraction works, right? And it's like, you see it in this, obviously I'm not talking about black people right now, but you see it on 90 Day Fiance. On 90 Day Fiance, the guy is a 10 in some third world country, and he's lusting after a bitch who is a two because she has blonde hair and blue eyes. And he'll always say she's beautiful, she has blonde hair and blue eyes. And I always say this to people whenever I meet someone who says, I like blonde hair and blue eyes, I say, you sound like Hitler right now. You should be embarrassed. I say that every single time because I go, hair color and eye color does not make someone attractive. You sound ridiculous. You sound like an idiot because hair color and eye color, that's like 1% of what somebody actually is. And that's all you care about. And because I've seen it. I've seen people like go after guys who are ugly because of their hair color and eye color. It's wild. It is disgusting. Cannot stand it. It's kind of like, you know, you look at Drake. I've never found Drake attractive. I've always said he's, he's okay. Because when I look at a celebrity, I look at them like, okay, would I really be into them if they were on the street? It just as a regular person. And if I came across Drake as a street, I would on the street, I would keep walking because I don't care about his, his fair, his very, very light skin. I don't care about that shit. Right. But then when I saw him in person, he did look handsome. And so I was like, okay, but like Drake is an example of basically like if he, if he was, if Drake were dark skin, bitches wouldn't be talking about him the way that they talk about him. They just wouldn't. And I've always said like, if Beyonce looked like Whoopi Goldberg, she would not have the career that she has, the success. She just wouldn't. So it's like you have to call a spade a spade and you have to recognize that as a woman, like, why are you just lusting after someone, woman or man, because of their hair, to- their um, their eye color and their skin tone when Big Teak is fucking cute. <laughs> so just focus on the fact that he is pretty sexy and leave it at that and he cleans up so well so then um big teak says that the world moved on without him and he asks about uncle tiff uh uncle clifford and then he looks sad when big or sorry when little murda talks to him about uncle clifford and he tells little murda that he's forgiven and it's the most peaceful that Big Teak has ever been. Obviously, it was foreshadowing because Big Teak has already given up on life. But I really, really wish that little Murda 
didn't say a goddamn word about Uncle Clifford because you see Big Teak's heart drop. And I just feel like it was part it was part of what pushed him over the edge a little bit. It was just this reality check for him, like, okay, Lil Murda has moved on, wants someone else. We ain't gonna be a thing. Just like Lil Murda put his hand on Big Teak's hand, and you could tell that it like Big Teak like was so moved by it, so affected by it, and then he moved his hand, and I'm just like, no, Big Teak, you're hot, you're handsome, you could get another man, you know, just stay with us, but at the same time, I always thought about Big Teak and his feelings for Lil Myrna, and I'm like, they are in the dirty south, how many men is Big Teak going to feel comfortable going after, and how many men is he going to have a connection with that he has with Lil Murda or a, a similar connection. So I understand that he could, he, in his mind, it could be like Lil Murda is the end all be all and Lil Murda don't want him the same way. And so why should he even be here in the closet, in these streets with all his like demons from the past? So Derek leaves and Keyshawn packs up her things. She leaves her phone on the coffee table. And as we know, puts her kids in, Derek's Prius and the Prius will not start because Derek removed the battery. Um, <coughs> when I called Derek, when I said Derek wasn't smart in my last episode, um, I hold that holds true. However, he's clever when it comes to controlling his woman. And so, so many people are like, get, why didn't you get an Uber? Why didn't you get an Uber? Why didn't you get an Uber? Because Uber tracks your location and your destination so that's problem number one Derek would get access to that information find out where she's where she's at and number two when you are escaping with two babies you clearly need a vehicle it's not really a uber situation you need a vehicle because you're running you have to flee and you don't know how often you're going to have to move because Derek is going to figure out where the fuck you're at. So she needs a car. And obviously, because Derek is so dangerous and Keyshawn is protective of the people that she loves, she's not really trying to bring everybody into her drama and call up, you know, different people to come and pick her up when she just doesn't even know how long Derek is going to be gone realistically because when we saw her packing and putting the kids in the car like my heart was racing I'm like no 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 Derek is coming Derek is coming he's turning around he has to check you know and so it's like can you imagine if Derek finds out that somebody helped her that Derek is gonna try to like he's gonna try to murder that person you know Keyshawn taking out Derek she has to do this shit on her own or she has to get somebody to do it to start it and finish it but she can't have anybody help her because the that person or those people are going to be at risk because we know Derek mentally he's completely gone. Um, so then Murder Song is playing on the radio and Big T can't operate a gas tank. And, you know, Lil Murda is so cute. He doesn't like shame him for not knowing how to do it. He's like, oh, I'll do it. This is how you do it. So we hear Tina Snow, a.k.a. Megan Thee Stallion. She's playing on the radio um, along with Lil Murda. And Big Teak is just the best cheerleader. Big Teak is so excited. 
um it was just so great to see it's like just enjoy your boy having his moment and his night and his success it's like big teak just like feels it and is so happy for him it's so beautiful because a lot of people get jealous and you could tell big teak is not someone who's ever gonna get jealous like all he wants to do is gas up little murda it's so cute i big teak was just the best so then um back at the pank roulette feels threatened by um all the attention that whisper is getting and it, it feels like colorism honestly because roulette is trying so hard she takes off her shoes she holds herself up on the pole sideways giving us something that we ain't never seen before and when i say we i'm talking about my ass because <laughs> i am not um I, I don't frequent the strip clubs, but I've never seen nothing like that before. It was so good. Um, Roulette is really cold on that pole, and Whisper isn't doing that much, but of course, we got to see Terrence pop up in Roulette's face, the guy that um, Roulette gave a blowjob to, and he says that he, he'll pay Whisper $2,000 to eat her pussy. I can tell you right now... I would not take that $2,000 because you're disgusting. You're gross. There are bitches out here in the club, on the street. Eat one of they pussies. I mean, what? So what if someone says that they'll pay you um, $2,000 to eat your pussy and they are down there not knowing what the fuck they are doing? What they are doing is horrible. It's bad. I don't I don't need $2,000 that badly. Not at all. Because I already think there's something wrong with you to try to be paying me that much money for that in the first place. And we never find out if um, Whisper actually takes his $2,000 for him to eat her out because they never show us whether that happened or not. They just show her dancing with him and... I hope that they address that in the next episode because I'm like, is Roulette really going to bring Whisper into her her hoeing world, um, into her prostitution shit? So then back at Coach's house, Mercedes looks at Farah and tells her, you wouldn't mess with my bag, would ya? We need to act like nothing between us ever happened. It's too late, Mercedes. You didn't see the warning signs with Farah which I saw the moment Farah said, I hate myself. That was the moment you should have known this bitch is going to be trying to take you down. And this bitch is going to become obsessed with you. She has a personal vendetta against her husband. She's going to try to ruin whatever her husband has. She's going to try to get you because if she gets you and if her husband finds out, that means you don't get paid anymore. And she's jealous and bitter and salty because she says she has to fuck her man for free. I always knew Farrah was a snake. And I don't like Farrah. And one thing, like, V-Value is so good at giving us these characters that are just... that They're the worst. I don't like Farrah. I don't feel any sympathy for Farrah. And look at what the fuck happened. Which I think was always Farrah's master plan. Like, what happened? I think Farrah was surprised about but Farrah took them photos of Mercedes so I think she was just trying to get um take down Mercedes regardless she was trying to 
ruin or sorry she was trying to stop mercedes bag period because she got her photographic evidence um which violates the contract so um let's see here so autumn she crashes andre's fundraiser and what's so funny to me about autumn is autumn is in a bright red wig with a red dress when this is like a very formal suit and tie event where people are not supposed to be um wearing no goddamn red dress <laughs> but autumn was there to to cause a scene um so then autumn of course she asks andre what makes him think prosperity for all is possible and she don't got no southern accent when she asks this question um ain't nobody trolls like autumn though so it's like one thing autumn is good at is trolling and i'm gonna get to that shit later when i talk about the sex scene back at coach's penthouse we already know what happens he tells mercedes you done turned my wife out and then Farah gets in his face, says, you don't even know that I like pussy just as much as you. Hell, maybe even more. And then Coach, when he tells Mercedes, you were supposed to be for me, goddammit. Get the hell out of here, you backwoods hoe. And it's just like, you see how Coach is so fucking selfish. Like, you were supposed to be for me. And he's just like pissed off and arguably he should have been, but he was really rough with Mercedes. She said that he was hurting her arm and he didn't care. Um, so that's it for Mercedes and her arrangement. As y'all saw, she didn't get her money. Farrah gives her her shoes. Um, I'm gonna talk about Farrah. So we see that Mercedes can never come up. We see that if Mercedes is in a position to have money, or keep money it's not gonna happen it's like mercedes the rules were so simple so simple go to coach's penthouse have sex with coach leave get your money go repeat have sex with him leave get your like you didn't have to be doing all this you shouldn't have you shouldn't have been letting Farah do like play you like that it was so so sad and Mercedes like she's there basically as a prostitute so I think that contributed to why she didn't really um put up much of a fight why she didn't really protest about getting her money um because it was like how embarrassing the man that you are supposed to be um having sex with is there pulling you out of his bedroom pulling you out of his house like it's like you guys can you can you give Mercedes a break okay and so with Farrah's ass I'm gonna talk about her in my um spoilers episode like I said I'm gonna have I'm gonna put out one more um spoilers episode and I'm gonna talk about her ass her bitch ass so then um Duffy and Roulette they decide to be hoes together it was cute I appreciate their little scene we saw it coming we saw that like as soon as Duffy saw Roulette like he was invested like he went from crying about Gidget which is what men do to just being um to being into Roulette so then Keyshawn we see her holding um the gun that Haley gave her and pointing it at the door practicing shooting Derek when he gets home so Keyshawn gets scared to shoot Derek when he walks in. 
and she puts the gun behind the couch pillow and she's supposed to be scared it's not every day you shoot joe man in the face or in the chest or whatever and that's a problem with these gun um with a lot of gun owners there's a lot of data behind it about how like if somebody really does bust up in their house they can't even shoot the the weapon right so you really have to know what you're doing when it comes to um a gun and it's like I would be so scared of Derek. Like, I would never think, let me just shoot him when he walks in. If I was going to shoot somebody, like, I need to do it when they're sleeping, when they're in some type of a state where they cannot come and knock and the gun out of my hand and finish me off. So then um, Keyshawn is just so miserable with Derek, as we see. And it's just kind of crazy that Derek doesn't pick up on the fact that Keyshawn is miserable. And I think... Like, when he hugs her from the side, he's like, I'm so happy you're here. And what I personally think part of it is, is that he doesn't care. I think he doesn't notice, but I also think he doesn't care. Because as long as she's with him, that's where she's supposed to be. So then, um, Big T goes to his childhood trap house, as we see. And then he witnessed his mom kill his siblings with a knife very brutally when he was just seven years old. He ran for his life. And somebody said that this story is actually a true or there was actually a true story that took place in Mississippi if I'm not mistaken where that's what a mother did with her kids and then her one child escaped with their life um and I don't know if P Valley was trying to reflect that in Big Teak's story or not but <sighs> it gave us all of the information we knew we needed to know about why he's so troubled and that is something that you honestly need therapy for for the rest of your life because you're not going to get over that. Um, so then Haley back at Andre's auction um, and also I for auction Andre's um, fundraiser. I forgot to say that like now that Andre is running for mayor, all of a sudden he found a razor that he decided to put to his fucking head in his face. We see that Haley befriends a wealthy woman named Miss Bastin because Haley does know how to finesse. She just always has a master plan. Even if you kick her ass out, she gonna find a way to get back in the door. Um, I respect it. So then Miss Bastin, or Batson, sorry, um, she expresses interest in paying Haley the $10 million that Haley wants for to sell the pay. Um, Haley knows how to work her charm she really does it's like especially how she's all dressed up just playing it just so cool and this lady is like into her because she just liked her energy and how she was just so subtle with the fact that she's the owner and I've seen the actress who plays um what's the name Miss Batson I've seen her in other shit so <coughs> I might I IMDB her, but she's a good actress. I'm happy to see her on the show. So then I would always call her Toya, but apparently her name is Toy. So Toy gave Grandma Ernestine the vid, which I already discussed, was clearly going to be the case. All right, so I'm going to talk about um, Ernestine a bit more in my spoilers episode. <laughs> Forgive me, y'all. Like, what is wrong with me today? Like, I am here promoting this spoilers episode like seven fucking times 
in this one episode and it's it's the last spoilers episode that I'm going to do of the season as I said because I am remaining off of everywhere that actually gives me all these spoilers but I'm just going to be discussing some things that I did see back when I was doing my research which as I said I ain't doing no more research um for the rest of this season so we are now back at Andre's place and we see that Autumn is waiting in a chair sitting in the dark which is exactly what she would do um Haley she's crazy she's a stalker she's gonna get what she wants she's relentless she literally is sitting up in his house just waiting for him in the dark probably like masturbating the whole time um so then Haley she seduces Andre she tells him that she'll do anything that he wants and so then Andre tells her to take off her dress which I have no problem with that's sexy you told me to take off to disrobe I'm gonna I'm gonna take these titties out and this ass out for you that's fine but you know then Andre tells Haley to crawl and that's where that's where it's no longer sexy to me but because Haley has been wanting to fuck him for so so long, she gets on all fours, she crawls over to him, stands up, drops her panties, um, and then pushes him on the bed, whips Andre's big ass dick out. He still has on his, you know, <coughs> his shirt and his jacket. I cannot stand a sex scene where people are partially clothed, um, but that's what's going on. Um, Haley is butt naked and she rides him. She puts her fingers in his mouth. She chokes him. He chokes her. And it was pretty tame. And they're in the dark. And I'm so thankful that they are in the dark and they are not in the sunlight or bright lights because I don't need or and I don't want to see Haley and Andre together. So I'm going to say shout out to the P-Valley writers for having Haley and Andre have sex in the dark, which made it hard for us to see what the hell was going on. That's how I hope all of their sex scenes are, because I'm all out on Haley and Andre. And that's what I see across the board. And I am so fascinated um, in the downfall of Haley and Andre, because I feel that we were all on board we felt their chemistry in season one. And between season one and season two, it's like there's a unanimous um, unanimous disgust and, disgust and hatred towards these people as a couple, right? I'm talking about the characters exclusively, uh, just as a couple. And I don't know where we, w we went wrong. And I wonder if that was the goal. I wonder if P-Valley wanted us to still be on their side and on their team. Um... <coughs> especially with Andre walking in on his wife. I mean, that could have been written so that we, you know, have sympathy for Andre and then it's no longer cheating if he's with Haley. I don't know what all of the, the storyboarding was and the um, thinking behind it when it comes to Andre and Haley, but my personal opinion of Andre and Haley or I'm not going to speak for everyone. Like I said, I speak for everyone, but nobody cares. No, this is what I'll say. I'll explain why I feel the way that I feel about Andre and Haley. So I don't like Andre and Haley together as a couple because individually, I can't stand either of them. So when 
you take two people that I strongly dislike and you put them together in a union, I can't support that union because both of them are shady. Both of them don't care about cheating. Both of them are cutthroat. Both of them are selfish and only care are like, I'm not going to say narcissist because people overuse that. But they have these very similar qualities and they're joining forces basically for evil. Like they're both, I don't think either one of them is a good person and them together, I can't root for them together. I'm like, nah, they just need to be corrupting someone else, dating someone else who who doesn't have the very same identical bad qualities that each of them have. It's like them together, they could do a lot of damage. And I just, I can't root for them because Haley is, just wants to sell the pink and then Andre only cared about Haley and he's trying to prove some point with running for mayor and I just, it's fascinating. I really, really wonder if the P-Valley writers were expecting so many people to call them boring and to be all out and want nothing to do with Andre straight up saying they're fast forwarding past their scenes. Like, I wonder if they knew that that was going to happen, but they're so, so unlikable. And I'm saying this just in case that maybe that wasn't the goal. Maybe they want us to root for, for them together as a couple. And, and here's what I'll say. Y'all have taken everybody's hatred for Patrice and made her a likable character excluding what she did to Mercedes. So if y'all were able to take Patrice that everybody passionately despised in season one and make her fun and likable in season two, that's possible for Andre and Haley. So I'm really interested to see where they're going to go with the character development with these two because I personally, like, I was, the sex scene did nothing for me and it was exactly how I would expect Haley to fuck. For her to be on top, controlling everything, choking her man. I mean, Haley is not a passive, submissive person. She is so controlling, um, always focused on herself. And I just, I would like to see, if we do see them have sex again, I would like to see more of a diamond and big bone style or just more variety than what we were given I was like no like no this isn't sexy to me and maybe it would have been maybe if it was two people I wanted to see have sex and it was the same sex scene it would have been sexy but something about Andre and Haley where it's like I am just I can't I can't with these two like I can't with them individually and then when you bring them together I'm like no this is too much um so then Big Teak and Lil Murda they um they were so cute. They, I heard that they actually improvised when they were doing the So Fresh and So Clean Outcast song. So then Big Teak starts to sing and his voice is smooth. Like I am a fan of Big Teak. I hope to see him singing in something. Um, so then Big Teak, he explains that he was in solitary confinement before he helped Lil Murda he explained the tear tattoos on his cheek are to, they represent his dead siblings. And he says that his story was supposed to end in that house. So basically he was just, he's been so tormented by watching his mother, um, 
murder his siblings that he just feels like he also should have been killed and <coughs> when big teak tells little murda you got tomorrow but i'm gonna have tonight it was some of the biggest foreshadowing of the entire episode so then big teak puts a gun to his head and little murda trying his hardest to talk big teak out of shooting himself was so beautiful and moving and powerful and you just have to give it to these flawless actors in this scene it was so heart-wrenching you saw it for yourself you already know this i mean amazing acting top tier um so then big t kills himself or sorry, shoots himself, and I'm so happy that we didn't see that. We just see the flash, and we see Big Murda exit the car. <coughs> and um, I said, obviously, my spoiler, um, Big T gets shot. I was guessing in that spoiler. I was guessing. And I didn't think everything was going to unfold the way that it did. I didn't see the... um suicide warning at the beginning of the episode and I thought it was going to be a gang um situation and I did not know that Big Teak was going to kill himself and as sad like I'm legit still sad about it but um I love that P-Valley is tackling so many topics um non-stop every episode they're gonna give it to us they're gonna serve and they're gonna make us think and this is important because you know again you can't go through you can't go through all this hardship and just be fine without getting help you cannot do that so i'm, I'm really happy that p valley um goes where a lot of other shows don't want to go especially shows in the black community but i have to say big teak loves Lil murda big teak would never ever want to kill himself in front of Lil murda and it just shows like the his demons um were so strong and it shows you how like suicidal suicidal people are not in their right state of mind. He would have never wanted to traumatize his friend in that way. But he knew he had to pull that trigger because he knew Lil Murda was trying to fight him on it. And he knew, I think he felt, part of him felt like, I don't want to back out of this. I have to do this. End of story. And so he just couldn't even wait could not even wait until Lil Murda was not in his presence. He had to just take himself out of this world to end his pain. And I heard, um, you know, it's like, so I heard from somebody who really likes to research that type of stuff that basically when people commit suicide, um, most of it is like a, basically a, a bit of a last minute decision. I don't believe that it's this like long thought out um, decision that people make. And I feel with Big Teak, he kept wanting to drop off Lil Murda to kill himself. But I don't believe that, um, I don't, with Big Teak, I don't believe like he had spent a lot of time 
thinking about for sure this is what he's going to do because I feel like he had battled with his demons for a long time and yeah he forgave him and he was kind of sure that he wanted to kill himself but it still felt very last minute to me and how he did it in front of Lil Murda um, like he again if had he thought out killing himself had he truly thought out or had he truly thought about doing it he would have never shot himself in front of um, Lil Murda so it's just suicide tends to be a very impulsive thing um you know from what I've heard and and these people they can be helped it's like you really can get to so many people just in time and talk them out of it but it's like it's such in some ways it's kind of such a split second decision and we see it sometimes with how some celebrities go I'll like I remember when Anthony Bourdain killed himself it was like it seemed to be a very 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 sudden thing um the reports that were coming out about it like he hadn't really thought that shit through at all and so with Big Teak he would have never wanted to hurt Lil Murda in that way but his pain just was it overcame him so much that he just had to he just felt like he had to leave and that's what true depression and whatever um possible disorders or whatever he was dealing with that's how strong it was because he as Lil Murda said they about to go on tour they have babies to make money to make he gave him this new car none of it mattered it wasn't enough and it was it's like that's what's so um impressive about how P-Valley tackled Big T because it shows us that once somebody has made that decision to go they do they are not seeing clearly they aren't seeing all the good that they have ahead all their potential they just want out and it's so sad because it's like Big T he really just everything was gonna turn around he could just enjoy his life outside of prison but he decided to end it um that's that it it's staying with me as a viewer and I appreciate that because it makes me want to help people even more when I think people are in a dark place and, and hopefully it will make everybody remember reach out everybody's not gonna always gonna be in your face when they're not feeling good because it's the opposite a lot of times when people are depressed they just they keep to themselves they keep that to themselves they decide to kill themselves by them on their own they don't tell like a person who's very serious about killing themselves they aren't putting this shit in their Instagram story. They aren't putting it on their social media. They aren't sending out a group chat, a group text. No, because they don't want nobody to stop them. And so that's why you always got to be proactive about checking in with your strong friends or checking in with the friends that you think are weak, checking in with the friends that are thriving, checking in with the friends who aren't and family because you just never know. And I just feel very blessed that, knock on wood, I, I don't know anybody who is... Um, and just ki kill themselves. Um, so now moving right along to Mercedes' house where she pulls off her wig. She just sitting at her table drinking alcohol. We see Terika crying in her arms. So we see that Terika is pregnant, and what is so genius about Terika being pregnant? is that Mercedes cannot push too hard for Terika to have an abortion because if Mercedes really presses Terika to have an abortion, she's telling Terika indirectly, I wish I had an abortion 
I wish you were never born. I wish you weren't here. Because Terika is now in the position that Mercedes was in. And so if Mercedes is telling her to have an abortion, she's basically saying, you were a mistake. You shouldn't be here. You ruined my life. I shouldn't have given birth to you. So it's the most awkward position, whereas it's like, if I were pregnant at Terika's age, my family would force me to have that baby, which is why they would not be involved um, in my whole, just, you know, I would have to keep that away from them. <coughs> they would force me to have that baby, but they would force me to have that baby coming from a perspective of the fact that my mom was not 15 when she had me. And, or on the flip side of that, if I were pregnant at 15 and my mom pressed me to have an abortion, she would be in the position to press me to have an abortion if she didn't, you know, if she were not pregnant, if, if she didn't give birth to me at 15. But for Mercedes to be pressing her daughter to have an abortion, she's in the awkward, the absolute worst position ever because of the messaging, the indirect and direct messages it sends to Terika about Mercedes regretting having her. And to just to see this cycle repeat itself, um, the cycle repeating itself with so many characters on this show is a reminder that a lot of times people do not escape their past and what they were born into. Because I would think your mom had you at that young age. Hello, pregnancy is possible. Take your pregnancy pill or pregnancy. <laughs> Take your birth control have the MF or use a condom, figure out your cycle, figure out when you're ovulating, um, figure it out because your mom is proof of what can happen when you don't. And, but apparently that just wasn't the case with Terika and we ain't never heard that Terika has a boyfriend, which is so sad to me because it just makes me like, what, you were at a party, you were drunk, like how did this happen? Um, so I hope we find out how this happened and who the father is. And hopefully it's not really repeating, repeating, repeating the cycle. Hopefully it's not no old man like Mercedes got pregnant by. Um, so then the episode ends with sweaty grandma Ernestine opening her front door saying, is that you, daddy? Which we already know that's not a good sign when people start seeing their dead family members. And then it's little Murda at Uncle Clifford's door. Again, little Murda always delivers with the raw emotion, the moving, moving um, scenes. He, You can count on little Murda. Like, he's going to get it right every single time. And then little Murda's embrace with Uncle Clifford. Ah! It's like you just, like, literally wanted to scream. Um... But it's like their Lil Murda, if Lil Murda and Uncle Clifford get together, it's like Lil Murda's broken. This is not really the time for them to rekindle something, and which kind of makes their relationship even more beautiful because um, Uncle Clifford could be a source of support for Lil Murda, and they could just have a, um, a rock-solid bond, and it could just be this bond, deep bond, and deep friendship that may also include, you know, a romantic relationship. But right now, the reunion right now is just going to be a supportive one. And uh, little Murda saying, I'm not okay. It's like, oh, it just breaks you. 
So thank you again for making it through this. I don't know what the hell my problem is. I feel like these recaps are getting longer, which is, you know, make doing a recap is so, so hard. It's so, so difficult to just fig, figure out what you want to talk about, what you don't, because I thought I was going to really make my recaps more concise, but whatever. I'm new to this and I'm learning and adjusting. Um, and you already know. Next week, I should be dropping my spoilers episode and my um, reenactment episode, and hopefully I will be able to publish the other unaired portion of an interview that I did. Um, and keep it safe. Please rate me five stars on Apple. Do your thing. Tell your P-Valley fans fans friends and family watch a show about my podcast um and i will talk to you soon